wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the normally a very beautiful city of Adelaide. It's a little bit cold today, though. I have to admit that. I'm also your drive time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It's so good to be able to share with you once again. Look, folks, I'd love to have you join, join with us. Now, look, if you've got a positive thought, if you've got a comment on one of the issues that, that we discuss, if you simply like to say hello, you can actually do that by texting us uh, here at our studio. Now, our studio text number is also our gift and prize number, and that number is 04888-808-1104. All you've got to do is to program that uh, into your mobile phone and then uh, link it to uh, drive time and uh, with a touch of one button uh, you can be uh, texting us uh, to your heart's uh, heart's content. Uh, now this week uh, we are looking at the theme, is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? Now we've had a special guest uh, helping us out over the uh, last couple of weeks. Now uh, throughout this series we're looking at why Protestantism commenced. Uh, what the major leaders believed and how those beliefs are so applicable to us today. Uh, yesterday, uh, we looked at the, uh, that question, has the Reformation fallen away? And I really appreciated what uh, uh, Pastor Don uh, did share with us uh, yesterday. I had the very real privilege. I was over at my uh, my Brighton church. Uh, we have a Bible study program on Monday evenings over there that, uh, that I was leading. And uh, uh, after we had set things up uh, I managed to sit down and uh, have some have some dinner and while we're having dinner uh, sat and, and listened to, to Pastor Don and the drive time show with Pastor Will and uh, really appreciated everything that the that the guys uh, did did say today uh, we're going to be asking the question what can the Reformation teach us today if it's got something to teach us what has it got to teach us and uh, we're going to be digging uh, today and tomorrow and again on Thursday uh, on some of the big teaching takeaways uh, of the Protestant uh, Reformation. Now, of course, today our co-host is, again, uh, live from uh, Perth in uh, West Oz, and that's Pastor Don Felberg. Now, welcome to us, uh, Don. Don, are you there? Are you there with us, uh, Pastor Don? Yes, I'm with you, yes. You are with a fantastic, you know, whenever you hear that gap like that, you can be guaranteed that uh, uh, the person working the console um, here in the uh, in the studio uh, has forgot to push the slider up. That Now, that's the problem with live radio. You can tell it's live when uh, that sort of thing uh, happens. Now, of course, uh, Don uh, has, uh, has worked as a pastor, an evangelist, an international speaker. He's a bush padre. 
Gray, an Indigenous Ministries leader. If there's anything worth doing in ministry, uh, Don has certainly done uh, during his 40 years of uh, of ministry. But Don, tell us what is um, uh, what's the weather like in Perth at the uh, at the present time? Oh, it's quite cold. We've got three fronts that are coming through, one after the other, and they're telling us this is a a once-a-year event, and uh, we're certainly feeling cold at the moment, and I'm missing the wood fires that I was brought up with in Tasmania. Yeah, yeah, no, look, wood fires are becoming more and more rare, I've discovered, and yet they certainly heat the home in a way that nothing else really does. It's a lovely warm heat, uh, that you, uh, yeah. you get out of those, uh, those wood, uh, wood fires. I can fully understand what you're saying. I know here in Adelaide at the present time, uh, it is cold. Uh, I'm so pleased to be sitting in the studio where we've got a good heater running. Uh, but every time I stick, uh, I stick my nose out the, uh, out the window, uh, uh, I uh, uh, I also reach for a coat. It's uh, it's jolly unpleasant at the, at the present time. But yeah. Don, Don, look, there's one question I have actually been wanting to ask you. As a you know, I mean, you've served forty years as a as a church pastor. Now, look, what is it that enticed you? to consider ministry as a vocation. Now, look, I'm just so conscious that, uh, you know, I mean, there are so many different things that a, a talented person like you could uh, could have uh, pursued, and yet uh, all those years ago you decided to pursue Christian ministry, a ministry within the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now, look, why did you go that way? What enticed you uh, to, to choose or to consider ministry as a vocation? Yeah, well, I'm happy to share the story. Um, uh, My mum and dad actually split up just before I was born. And uh, that eventually led to a custody case as to who would have me. My father wanted me, my mother wanted me. And seeing I'd been brought up thus far with my mother, I wanted to remain with her. I'm trying to think how old I would have been. I think it was probably about five years old when this um, final custody case took place. And I remember before my mother went off to this uh, custody case, she took me into the bedroom and we knelt down beside the bed and she opened her Bible up and she claimed a promise. And uh, then we prayed. We prayed that if it was God's will that... uh, He'd work it out that I could be with her. And in that prayer, mum promised God that if he gave me to her, that uh, she would uh, give me to him as, as a worker for him. Well, I was greatly impressed by that prayer. And, uh, I mean, I really hoped that things would work out that I could be with my mum and And when the case was decided and I was allowed to be with my mum, I was very, very grateful. Mm. But I remembered that prayer, Pastor Gary, and I felt that I had an obligation to help fulfill mum's promise. Mm. Mm. And, uh, And from about grade three in primary school, I wanted to be nothing else but a minister, a worker for God. And uh, Pastor Gary, when I learned to write, 
I would, uh, in church, I would take down the texts that the preacher used. I'd write them down. And then that afternoon, I would uh, stand up on the lounge chair because, uh, and I would preach that sermon to my grandfather. I'd go through those texts <laughs> and I'd give him the sermon. Oh, that's fantastic. And, uh, you know, I think back on that, you know, I had that that sort of thing interested me. From a young age, I loved the Bible stories. I loved to hear about the Bible. And in fact, uh, Pastor Gary, I read the 10-volume uh, set of uh, Bible stories. Um, it's simply called The Bible Story by Arthur Maxwell. Yeah, yeah. I read that whole 10 volumes through aloud mostly to my mother and my grandfather. Wow. And uh, I love Bible classes at school. Mm. I went to an Adventist school in uh, Hobart, in Moona there, and um, I can remember I've still got all of my Bible books, I think, except one. Mm. But the first ones, there were just, uh, we'd hear a Bible story and... uh, They'd tell us one, and then we drew a picture to illustrate it. And in that way, we went through some of the major stories of the Bible. And then as we progressed along, well, then uh, we got into things in more detail. And we went through the Bible a couple of times during those Bible classes from year one to year 10. And I really loved those Bible classes. Mm -hmm. I did three lots of Bible studies before I was baptized. Now, you might think a young person like I've been describing might get baptized very early, but I wanted to be sure of what I believed, and I wanted to be sure about making this commitment, and so I wasn't baptized till the age of 15. Mm-hmm. But once I was baptized, um, um, I, was, I was keen to share to share Jesus, and uh, I remember a man came along to church one one week, and uh, it was his first time there, and uh, the organist, I think it was, said to me, hey, put him under your wing, <laughs> and so I uh, befriended this fellow, and I started to have Bible studies with this man, and he got baptized, and he's still a faithful uh, follower of Jesus uh, right till now. He's still alive. Wow. Well, one thing that really strengthened my faith is in uh, my uh, last matriculation year, an evangelist uh, uh, came to me and he said, I'm going to run a big series of meetings in Hobart. And he said, I'd like you to be my projectionist. If you look after the slide projectors and uh, the movie projectors. and, um, And so I did that. That meant I had to... Um, be at along, every meeting. Yeah, be at every meeting. And you know, Pastor Gary, at the end of that series of meetings, I felt like I knew what I believed and I believed what I knew and I was ready to face the world. Mm. And that's before I went to college to train as a pastor. Mm. And, um, and so I, I had that burden to share Jesus and, uh, I got involved in a number of different things as a teenager. I used to have a home group come to my home and uh, we'd study the Bible and uh, 
you know, I think the Lord called me from a very early age and um, and I was happy to respond to his call. Yeah, Don, look, I really appreciate what you've actually shared because there's a couple of things that I'd pick up on there. And the first one is is the fact that you had a mother who was prepared to actually pray for you. I know in my own experience, I think back into uh, uh, my life, I know that uh, my mum uh, was incredibly committed to praying for both myself and my brother. Uh, and uh, uh, to this day, I've actually got her uh, her Bible that I, I share from from time to time, but it is absolutely cluttered. It is a small print. She was a Bible student, if ever I yeah. saw one. And to me, I mm. find I find the fact of a a praying mother. You know, to me, there's a powerful lesson uh, for us uh, today yeah. because you know to actually be praying for. Each of our, each of our children regularly and consistently and actually so that they know uh, that we're actually praying for them uh, as well. Yeah. And, and that to me, uh, is I, I think one of the, one of the real challenges. The other one is uh, that jumps out at me is that, you know, you had a, a mentor pastor. Uh, who invited you to become involved in evangelism, in running the projectors at uh, just yeah. the right time, and that at the end of uh, that series, you knew what you believed. You know, I, I'm just so conscious that we're living in a world now where uh, so many uh, don't have an understanding uh, of what is solid, uh, what the foundations uh, of uh, of life are really really about, who can't answer the really big questions uh, of life and of their own future. And, and to me, Don, I, I just look at that and I just simply say, hey, you know, that is a that is quite profound what you've shared with us. Yes. Yes. Well, I remember going to a talk one day at church with a young people's meeting and it was actually the headmaster of the school who was assigned to give us young people a talk on how do you know whether you're called or not. Yeah. And he went through a number of things, but one of the things he said stuck in my mind. It was he said, don't be a minister unless you um, can't do anything else. Mm. Now, what he meant by that, he didn't mean if, you're not capable of doing anything else. What he meant was, if you can't be at peace doing anything else, then be a minister. But if you can be at peace doing something else, well, then do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that- I thought that was, that was quite a profound statement. And I felt like that. I couldn't be at peace doing anything else. So, you know, I think it was, was it John Whitfield, one of the... One of the reformers who said when he was converted, he said, I just wanted to preach to the, the black crows that sat on the fence. He said, I just had to tell the story to somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and uh, I, was, I was a bit like that. Yeah, and I know that your ministry, because of that fact, because that's something that has flowed through your ministry, you have had a, you know, I've really appreciated the passion by which you have shared your your faith and your love for Christ uh, throughout your entire ministry in whatever 
uh, area you've been called to, uh, to do, to, to, to minister in. And, uh, to me, I think there's a powerful lesson, uh, here for, uh, for all of us, uh, in, uh, in what you've actually been sharing. But guys, look, let's come to some, uh, some music. Uh, this is, uh, Michael W. Smith and the song is uh, Ancient, Ancient Words. Please, uh, please enjoy Ancient Words.
And that was Michael W. Smith and uh, the song Ancient Words, uh, one of the great uh, uh, contemporary hymns uh, of of our era. Uh, now, folks, we do have a giveaway book uh, for you for you today. Uh, this book is a real little beauty. Uh, this is God's Holy Word. Is it still worth dying for? Research, researchers say that at least 10,000 different religions exist around the world. Uh, just one of those, Christianity, is divided further into 34,000 different denominations. Talk about an absolute hodgepodge. Uh, Talk about incredible confusion. Uh, The Bible, however, speaks of just uh, one God. So why do the world's nearly 7 billion people worship uh, thousands of gods in 10,000s of different churches. You know, one of the, uh, uh, great efforts of the, uh, of the enemy is to sow never ending division and confusion. Uh, now this, this book, uh, will actually look at some of, at the history of the development of the Christian scriptures. Uh, we're going to look at, uh, uh, the faithful people, the Waldensians, the Albigenses, the Huguenots, uh, the Reformers, those that were followers and stood firm on God's word. Uh, then, we're going to look, this book looks at the great Protestant Reformation, how it occurred and how incredibly bold people uh, really did make a difference. God's holy word, is it still worth dying for today? It's a big question. Look, guys, this is a fantastic book. If you would like a book that's actually going to challenge you, uh, this is the book for, for you. Uh, I would recommend it to you. Uh, please, if you want to uh, share it uh, with someone, uh, that's uh, that's perfectly perfectly fine as well. Uh, now, look, drive time. Uh, you can get this book by uh, texting us here at uh, our studio text number, and our studio text number is 04888 0811-04-888-80811. And uh, all you've got to do to request the book is just, just send us the code. Now, the code is SA65 today. No gap between the SA and the 65, just SA65. And uh, that will trigger our robot. And he's a super friendly fro- robot. No person's going to uh, hassle you. And uh, he'll simply ask you a few questions. And uh, as a result of uh, those questions, uh, we'll find the fastest way to be able to get uh, get this book uh, directly uh, to uh, to you. Uh, that number again is 04888-80811. And look, if you've also got any comments or thoughts that you'd like to share today um, about the things that Pastor Don has been sharing, please feel free to send those thoughts or comments through on that same text number. It does come through uh, straight to uh, to my desk here in our Adelaide studio. That number again is 04888-80811. And uh, we'd love to, love to be able to hear from you. You. Uh, now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with, uh, Pastor Gary. And, uh, uh, today, uh, we're joined as, with co-host, uh, Pastor Don Felberg. Now, uh, Don has worked as a pastor, an evangelist, an international speaker. He's been a bush padre, an indigenous ministries leader. You name it. Uh, Don has, uh, has done it. And, uh, it's really wonderful to see the way the Lord has used, uh, Don in, in ministry. 
Uh, now, uh, this week we are looking at the theme, is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? This is a big, uh, big, big, big question. And uh, uh, throughout this series... We've, we've been looking at why Protestantism commenced. Who were the major leaders? What did they believe? And how those beliefs are applicable to us today. Uh, yesterday, we looked at this issue of, has the Reformation, has it fallen away amongst the churches of today? And, you know, uh, unfortunately, I think the thing we can conclude is most certainly it, it, it surely has. If ever there's a time, if ever there's a need for a new reformation, uh, that time is right now. Uh, today uh, and tomorrow, we're looking at uh, another question. Uh, what can the Reformation teach us uh, today? I love uh, that that particular question. Now, just uh, uh, over the weekend, I uh, I came home and uh, uh, I was uh, I was looking uh, over the weekend at uh, uh, the weekend Australian. And uh, I, I, I really appreciate uh, this particular uh, magazine, um, this particular newspaper. I do subscribe to it. And uh, uh, I, I stumbled across an article uh, that was entitled Lost in the Secular Desert, Christianity Under Siege. Now, it's a long article, but it's probably one of the most significant articles that I believe has been written in uh in contemporary times about the state of uh, the Christian world at this particular point in time. Uh, the the article is too long for us to read, but some of the statements are, are actually, unfortunately, all too true. We are on the way to becoming, the article says, for the first time an avowedly anti-Christian nation, not just non-Christian, but anti-Christian. This is not a gentle decline. This is a bus hurtling over a cliff. Nothing as dramatic and as cons- and as consequential has happened in Australian belief and outlook since 1788. Uh, you know, as I read this, I, I, I sort of thought, hey, you know, this guy is actually putting together uh, really uh, s- some vital points uh, so uh, concisely. Uh, he continued in his brilliant 2021 book, Being the Bad Guys, Perth Evangelical Pastor Stephen McAlpine presents the dramatic transformation in Christianity's standing. Wasn't it only yesterday, he says, that Christianity was regarded as a societal good? Now, it's not only unpalatable, it's positively toxic. In a justly famous blog, Just a few years ago, McAlpine suggested that most Christians accept, now accept, that Christendom, with all its virtues and all its villainies, is over and that the Christianity is again in exile. Most Christians, he says, envisage this exile in a, as being a metaphorical Athens, uh, where they, Christians, debated their beliefs in polite and uh, interested company. That was stage one, exile. Now, stage two, exile. It is a much more hostile Babylon, where Christians confront a state and a culture uninterested in their ideas, determined instead to bludgeon them into submission. 
McAlpine says, the elite framework that drives the culture is increasingly interested in bringing the church back into the public square, not in any order to hear it, but to expose its real and imagined abuses and render it naked and shivering before a jeering crowd. You know, as I as I read this, I sort of thought, hey, you know, in in reality, he is describing the situation uh, with our society. There has been huge changes in our society in just the last uh, couple of years. Uh, he he starts to bring it together uh, five or six pages later when uh, when he says says this. In the end, Christian denominations must choose between surrender to the ideology of the culture or faithfulness to their beliefs. It is not possible, he says, to do both. The Christian movements that accommodate the culture on its key points inevitably will disappear. For if they are only offering what the culture already has, why would anybody bother? You know, as I as I read this, Don, I, I sort of thought, hey, you know, this is this is profound. Uh, what's actually being said here? But you know, it really does bring me back uh, to the issue of the of the Word of God. I mean, he's talking about the accommodation of culture, and unfortunately, uh, we're living in a world now where uh, too much of the Christian world has done exactly that uh, in attempting to accommodate culture. Uh, they've actually uh, sidelined uh, the uh, the beliefs and the teaching of both Jesus Christ and the and the word of God you know more than anything else today uh, I'm just so conscious Don that you know uh, I, I I believe we need another reformation uh, but yeah. look, look can we possibly you know just hand it across to you you right now you know what can you know in the environment that we are living and I've just been reading a little bit about that in that environment what can the reformation teach us? Yes, well, I, I, I'm that that is a powerful article you've just read, and and I believe it's so true. And you know, as I reflect on that, I think, well, if it's not Christianity, if Christianity is finished, I think what's going to save us? Yeah, that's my question because it doesn't seem to me that politics and science have got the answers to save us. And so we're, we're really hopelessly lost, aren't we? If, if, if we've thrown Christianity out and what's the substitute Indeed. for salvation? But anyway, I guess that's more tomorrow's topic, isn't indeed, it? Indeed, <laughs> indeed. That's exactly what that, 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 well, Let's not preempt ourselves. Share with us, though, Don. Yes. But uh, coming to um, today's topic, when we think back to the Reformation, to me, the, the foundation principle that came out of the Reformation was the, the fact that the people recognized that the Bible is the book that we need to turn to. And we need to base all of our teachings and uh, practices on the Bible. And that, to me, was the greatest achievement of the Reformation, bringing the Bible to the people and establishing it as our authority for what we believe and practice. And, of course, 
it took uh, it, the, over time uh, that came to be. John Whitcliffe, the morning star of the Reformation, translated the Bible into the English language in the late 1300s. Um, but it had to be written out by hand, and so only a limited number of copies could be made. Then Johann Gutenberg came along in uh, the 14, middle 1400s with his printing press. And do you know, Pastor Gary, what was the first major book to be printed on that printing press? Mm. It was the Bible, yeah. the Bible in the Latin language. Mm. And Martin Luther referred to the printing press as God's highest and extremest act of grace, whereby the business of the gospel is driven forward. The... the uh, the Reformation probably would never have really gotten underway without the aid of the printing press. And uh, Martin Luther translated the Bible into the German language. The whole thing was printed in 1534. And uh, it was his reading of the Bible as a young Catholic priest that brought him a true knowledge of God and salvation and uh, and that led him to stand up and do what he did. I've seen the statue of Luther there at Worms, at Worms and uh, it's, an, it's a wonderful statue. You've got Luther standing there with his Bible in his hand and his other hand on the Bible, and it's, a, it's an unforgettable uh, mm. statue, a powerful statue where he's saying, here's the Bible, here and I stand. And, of course, it was there at Worms that he... Uh, made that statement, here I stand, I can do no other, I stand on the Bible. God help me. And, uh, yes. Now, William Tyndale translated the New Testament into English in um, 1525, and, um, and of course, with the printing press then uh, um, having been invented, it was printed, and so it, it spread rapidly. And it was Tyndale who made that famous statement, If God spare my life ere many years, I will cause the boy that driveth the plough shall know more of the Scriptures than thou doest. He was talking to one of the church scholars. And uh, surely that was true. Not long after Tyndale's death, Henry VIII had an English Bible placed in every church uh, throughout the land. Mm. In the 1500s, John Knox, it was uh, the, the it was the Bible that led him to be one of the greatest reformers in Scotland and to stand up to Mary, Queen of Scots. As you said, Pastor Gary, the reformers and uh, many of many of the people were willing to die for what they had read and discovered in the Bible. And so the question comes: What? Does what can the Bible do for us? What can it teach us? And Pastor Gary, I'd like to say that we, we could talk about lots of things, but the Bible tells us where we came from and who we are. And I think it's very important in this day and age that we know that. We're being told today by secularism that we evolved out of the slime. Mm. Oh, Pastor Gary, I say that's great for your self-esteem. No wonder we have so many mental health issues at this time when you're being taught something like that. By contrast, the Bible teaches that we are sons of God. 
Uh, in Luke 3 and verse 38, it says, Adam was the son of God, and we are descendants of Adam. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 tells us our noble origin. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Mm. And so we were made in the image of God. I think of an old Aboriginal man that uh, you know as well as me, Pastor Gary, Ken McKenzie from Port Augusta. Oh, oh, lovely fellow. Lovely fellow. You know, old Ken is still alive. He's 85, which is very old for an Aboriginal man. Is he still playing the guitar? He's still playing and singing, yes. And uh, he, he was discussing where we came from with a man some time ago, and this fellow said, no, we, 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 science has shown we come from monkey, and Ken's trying to say, no, God created us. And this fellow said, no, 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 that's old hat, we come from a monkey. And, <laughs> and so they were going backwards and forwards, and in the end, Ken said to him, well, brother, he said, you might have come from a monkey, he said, but the Lord up in heaven made me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, friends, it's... Um, it really, uh, it really um, is important to know where we come from. Who am I? I'm a son of God. Twice over, I was created by God, and then Jesus died to save me. And so, no wonder it can say in First John chapter three and verse one that we are children of God. We are sons of God, and what a wonderful privilege that is. Talk about helping our self-esteem. It does wonders for it. And you know, Don, that is so important because we're living in a world now where what we're finding is that more and more people are suffering, as you correctly point out, mental health disease, and that people are attempting suicide because they see no hope for the future. They see no uh, value in themselves. And yet the scriptures turn around and say, Beloved, now we're the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. We are kings, priests, heirs, and ambassadors. You know, I mean, this is a the status that the scriptures actually put on humanity is something that has to be seen to be believed. You know, I really appreciate what you're saying there, Don. And to me, uh, I believe uh, that a lot of the mental health challenges that our world is facing right now uh, would actually be alleviated significantly uh, if people understood the value yes. uh, that uh, the Lord God had put on them. Yes, very true. And you know, Pastor Gary, the, the, the Bible story even gives us more hope. It tells us not only where we came from, but where we're going. Yeah. In John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. This is Jesus speaking. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Amen. There, Pastor Gary, it's, Jesus promised us a home in the Father's house. We're heading for the second coming. We're heading for the end of the world. But it's not doom and gloom. It's the greatest event of the ages. Yeah. And our deliverance from this sinful, unjust, unfair, wicked world is about to take place. That lifts people up. You know, Ellen White made a statement. She is writing to one of her young friends, and she said, Our home here is a sorrowful one, but Jesus has gone to prepare for us a holy and happy home 
and Sky will never be known there. Do you know, Pastor Gary, last Wednesday, one of our dear old Aboriginal ladies from Think passed away, and it brought sadness to the community and to those of us who knew her because she was well-loved. Friday morning, a little Aboriginal baby that had been born with a hole in the heart passed away here after her mum, after his mum and dad had sat for days with him in the children's hospital in Perth, praying and hoping he would get better. Saturday afternoon, I got a call asking could I do a funeral uh, up in Mount Magnet for, for a man that's passed away. Sunday, I got news on an Aboriginal man we'd been praying for in Adelaide that he'd passed away. Monday, I received a call about another Aboriginal man passing away in the Royal Perth Hospital. Talk about our home on this earth being a sorrowful one. Yeah. yeah. And it's not going to get any better. Yeah. You know, death is all around us. Yeah. But the Bible gives us wonderful hope. Yeah. And I read First Thessalonians four sixteen and 17, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Mm. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Mm. Oh, words of hope, Pastor Gary. You're actually sending, then, Don. You're actually sending shivers up my back uh, just in what it is to, that you're presenting here, because you know this goes beyond hope. This goes to uh, an incredible future. You know, for those who are who have struggled with chronic disease all their life, you turn around and say, "Hey, you know, that's not the end. That's a temporary thing. There's something something to look forward to." You know, I, I look at this and just yeah. say, "Hey, you know, don't we serve a wonderful God?" Yes, and there's a lot of things in on this old earth that are not fair. There's a lot of unjustness. The devil has made sure of that. But you know, the next world is going to be fair. I read Revelation 21 verse 4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things that passed away. You know, Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, said that's one of the best pillows you can lay your head upon. It is, it is. And it's true. I mean, it's uh, God has a wonderful future for us, and he tells us about that in the Bible. That's why the Bible is so important, because it lifts us up and gives us hope. Yeah, yeah. The Bible says, sorry, I uh, Don, look, I really appreciate what you're actually saying here because that word hope is so key. It's so central to the entire scriptures. You know, faith, you know, the, 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 what are the things which are going to remain, you know? And you sort of look, you know, yeah. 1 Corinthians 13, it climaxes with that uh, word of hope and love, you know? And to me, yeah. as, I, as I look at that, I just simply say, hey, that's the day that I want to look forward to. But Don, look, let's come to some music uh, and uh, then we'll come back because our time is starting to really run away from us uh, very, very quickly today. Uh, please yes. enjoy uh, Andre Crouch. This uh, is a fantastic, uh, this is a powerful song. It's not just a story. I heard the story of Jesus Sounded like music in my ear 
just a story and indeed the word of the scriptures is not just a story uh love mm. uh, love that uh, that particular uh, that particular song and now folks please uh, remember we do have a giveaway book for you today uh, that giveaway book is uh, a fantastic little book entitled uh, god's holy word is it still worth dying for and uh, you'll you'll this book will really uh, be an incredible blessing in your life now look if you would like uh, this uh, this book uh, then uh, please uh, just text us here at uh, our studio that number again is oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven and the code that you need to give us is just sa sixty five no gap between the sa and the sixty five just sa sixty five and uh, that will trigger our robot and uh, he'll contact you uh, no difficult questions just enough questions so that we can get this uh, book to you in the fastest possible way oh four triple eight 80811. Also, if you've got any thoughts or comments that you'd like to make, uh, if you'd like to recommit your life to Jesus Christ, why don't you do that by texting us through and just telling us about it, that I am prepared to recommit my life uh, to Jesus, to Jesus Christ. Uh, today, we, uh, um, we're dealing, uh, with a subject that, uh, is, is so important. Uh, Pastor Don is our, is our presenter. We're talking about is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? And the question in particular is what can the Reformation teach us today? Now, Don, look, we've got about, uh, uh no more than about, uh, 10 minutes. So please, is there anything else, the, the, the Word of God, the Scriptures, is there anything else it can teach us? in our uh, secular environment? Well, we've just been saying it, it tells us where we came from and it tells us where we're going and it also tells us how to live in between. Mm. And um, when everyone does what's right in their own eyes, there's a lack of harmony and a lack, and there's confusion around. And so God has told us how to live. 
and uh, he's given us the Ten Commandments. And you know, all slim, dusty things, ten golden rules, the only key to happiness. And I think old Slim had a good point there. The commandments, according to Paul, Romans 7, verse 12, are holy and just and good. good. And if we would but keep God's Ten Commandments, we'd save ourselves a lot of heartache. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And so the Bible tells us how to live as we wait for the second coming. And uh, it gives us meaning to our life. Well, it takes away fear, and I won't spend time on that. It brings us peace. It brings peace to our troubled hearts. Jesus said, I bring a peace not as the world brings, John chapter 14 and verse 27, but he brings an inner peace. And we'll probably dwell on that more tomorrow. But I want to dwell for for my last point on the fact that the Bible has power to change people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I read in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, ever need a, a reason why we need the Bible, you know, we need our lives changed. And the Bible has the power to do that. Romans 4, Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's, it is living and powerful and changes people's lives. I have an old book here. Uh, it's written by W.L. Hastings. And uh, he said, um, you know, he said, you've never heard of anybody that says, well, my life was uh, miserable. I was down and out. And uh, I studied astronomy or geology or mathematics and all oh, wonder of wonders. My life turned around and, and I'd be, I, I was lifted out of where I was. Mm. You've never read that, he said, but I can bring you not one man or two or ten, but men by the thousand who will tell you I was wretched, I was lost, I broke my poor old mother's heart. I beggared my family, my wife was heart-stricken and dejected, my children fled from the sound of their father's footsteps, I was ruined, reckless, helpless, homeless, until I heard the words of that book. And it's true, there is power in the book to change people's lives. You know, Pastor Gary, I think of, I think of the old chief who was sitting under a coconut tree out on one of the Pacific Islands and an Australian Army soldier came along said, Hey, he said, what are you reading? And the old man said, I'm reading God's book. Oh, oh, the soldier said, Oh, we don't, we don't believe that anymore. It's all full of fairy tales and so on. We, <laughs> we don't believe that. And the old chief looked at him and he thought, That's strange. It was the white man who brought us this book. Mm. And he said, to, he said to the soldier, he said, hey, white man, he said, before book come my island, he said, I cannibal, I eat you. He said, do you want me to throw the book away and eat you? He said, book came and changed my life, he said. Mm. And, you know, it, 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 the book does change people's lives. If I've got time, I just want to tell you a, a story that's, just um, just uh, been happening of recent times. 
Over in the Philippines, there's the uh, been the Communist New People's Army, or the NPA, on the island of Mindoro. Mm. They've been fighting the Philippine government for 50 years, and some 40,000 people have been killed. The government has hunted them. They've offered them land to try to make peace with them. They've offered them money, but nothing has worked. They've kept on their guerrilla warfare and, and as I've said, have killed thousands. But Adventist World Radio, which sponsors the Faith FM, doesn't it, Buster Gary? It does indeed. It does indeed. Yeah, they began broadcasting across Mindoro in 2017. And then one day, the the uh, the man in charge of Adventist World Radio on Mindoro, Pastor uh, Robert Dulay, had some fellows rattling on his gate at his house. And uh, they said, the rebels up in the mountains want you to come up there and see them. They want to talk to you. And he was a bit frightened, Pastor Gary. He thought, well, others have disappeared before. It might be an ambush. They might be out to get rid of me. They know that I'm involved in Adventist World Radio, you know. Mm. But he felt impressed to go. And he went up there into the mountains to where um, these fellows took him. And, you know, these fellows had their little transistor radios and they said to Pastor Robert Dulay, they said, we have been listening to Adventist World Radio. We've been listening to the messages of the Bible and we're impressed. Can you tell us more? We have some questions. We want to know more. And so he sat down with them and he shared with them. And do you know that... um, in 2021, November 13, a whole mob, hundreds of these rebels gave their hearts to Jesus and were baptized. Now, I should say that back in 2020, hundreds of these rebels surrendered their hearts to God and they surrendered their guns to the Philippine government. They said, we don't need them anymore now because we've learned the message of the Bible. Mm. And the government gave them an amnesty. And and uh, there were hundreds baptized the end of last year, April 9 this year, more rebels were baptized. And our world leader of our church, Pastor Ted Wilson, and Pastor Duane McKay, the uh, head of Adventist World Radio, had the privilege of baptizing the rebel leader and his wife. There have been 2,000 of these rebels now baptized. And I say, Pastor Gary, what the government couldn't do with its guns in, in taming these people, in conquering these people, the Bible has done. The Bible has conquered these people and transformed them. Oh. And uh, one of these... Um, one of, one of these um, uh, former rebels, he's been so on fire for Jesus that he's gone out and shared and led 210 other rebels to be baptized. Yeah. But there's a young man by the name of Jerome. He spent 16 years in the Philippine army and he hated these rebels. You know why he hated them? Because one of them butchered his brother. And he just hated these fellows, and he was out to, to to kill them. 
But he, and when when they called for, for Adventist World Radio, Pastor Robert Julay to go up and visit with them, the Philippine government set him up to secretly spy on what uh, Adventist World Radio was doing with these people. And he saw the rebels change. He saw them studying their Bibles. He saw them no longer fighting. And one day he saw his main enemy baptized and he came up and he shook his hand and forgave him. And recently, just a a couple of months ago, Jerome himself was baptized. There's another, another deputy sergeant of the Philippine Army, Willie, was baptized. He saw the change and then... Eric Gavana and his wife Leia, the Philippine Army Colonel, Colonel that was second in command in the operations against the rebels, him and his wife just a couple of months ago were baptized. They said, we've seen the genuine change. The Bible has done something to these people. Ah, oh, Don. And, and, and we want it too. Ah, oh, look, this is, this is a fantastic, and look, this is what the Bible does, and I wish, I, how much, you know, don't I wish our secular society would give it a go? Don't I wish they'd yeah. give it a go? Let's just bow our heads together in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you right now. Lord, I want to say thank you for giving us the, giving us your word. Uh, Lord, thank you for inspiring the prophets. Uh, Lord, thank you for giving us exceedingly great and precious promises. Uh, Lord, if there's anybody here who, uh, hasn't accepted uh, your word, I pray that your spirit might descend on them. You might touch their heart, that they might give themselves and say, Hey, I want to follow that word right now. Uh, Father, uh, we give ourselves again, once again to you at this time, and we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, Amen. folks, it does look like our time's up for today, and thank you so much, Pastor Don, uh, for joining us on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow uh, when we're again going to be sharing with Pastor Don as we discuss the question, what can the Reformation do for us today? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.